language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Star Wars Resistance Edition. All right, so we're back today with another discussion on Star Wars Resistance Episode 3 or 4. I don't know. Uh, Once again, we're having this exact same problem. For some reason, Disney cannot get on the same page as our DVR systems. Apparently, yes, because that was the most confusing thing ever. With Star Wars Rebels, and now they're doing it again, again. with Star Wars Resistance. I think it's safe to say that this is technically episode four. Yes. Even though your DVR says episode three, then it changes randomly to episode four. IMDB says episode three. Star Wars Wiki says episode, episode four. four. So we're going to have to go by titles more than anything this uh, season, which is titled Fuel for the Fire. All right. So if you don't know and you're just jumping in for some reason, Star Wars Resistance is the series that is set decades after the events in Return of the Jedi and six months before the events of The Force Awakens. And it follows Kazuda, a pilot who is recruited into the Resistance to spy on the growing threat of the First Order. All right, so synopsis for this episode, Kaz befriends a sky racer named Rucklin, who pressures him to take some rare and dangerous hyperfuel hidden in Jaeger's office. All right, so this episode was written by Eugene Sun and directed by Bosco Ng, with Justin Ridge being listed as supervising director. And once again with this episode, you do get the sense that Ridge is definitely, without a doubt, overseeing this episode uh, because when you look deeper there is more to the episode than meets the eye yes even though episode four takes a few steps back and slightly back into the absurdity into cartoon absurdity into sandwich territory yeah still still though it is better than the pilot episode we have an episode that takes us time away from the main story So it seems to build upon Kaz's struggle to assimilate and fit in or blend in with the rest of the crew and the peoples of the Colossus. Yes. The relationship between Kaz and Yeager has come to a boiling point, and I'm hoping that Kaz's struggle to fit in and his inability to accept that he must be perceived as a normal dude or mechanic is all a part of the overall development of the story. I'm hoping it's not just them biding time. I'm, I'm hoping they're actually using this as a way to build and progress our characters. Yeah. Um, that Poe Dameron placed him on the Colossus purposely. Not just, hey, come over here and start spying for me. He didn't just make him a spy, but but perhaps 
him becoming a spy is also the key that will unlock the mystery behind Yeager. I feel like there's two things working in tandem here. Uh, at face value, you get a series that's about Kazuda, but then as we progress along, we realize that there's dual narratives. And it's not Poe Dameron. We were told that Poe Dameron yeah. would be the face of the show along with Kazuda, but it's not. It, it, it seems to be a dual narrative about Kaz and Jaeger, and not necessarily about their relationship per se, but about them as individuals and how they're going to proceed moving forward. It seems to me more and more that Poe and Jaeger have a past, which that's been stated. Yeah, that's been stated. Poe knows that Jaeger will train Kaz to be a spy by teaching him how to fit in and not draw attention. This is where the episode gets good for me. When you really start digging in deep, yeah, Jaeger doesn't want to have any part of that spy business, right? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want to have any part of that. He's already said it. But Poe knows that if he places Kasuda there, that Jaeger will, in fact, get involved in some way. In some way. A lot of what we saw in this episode seems to be a bit more thought out than we had previously stated. Dave, I know when you and I first watched the episode, we kind of <laughs> rolled our eyes. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, I was frustrated because I was like, yo, Jaeger, the dude was a fucking pilot for the New Republic. He don't need to be no fucking mechanic. He doesn't need to do the duties for reals. Yeah. But upon second watch, I noticed that it was more about fitting in and becoming a ghost of sorts. Easily forgotten. Don't create any chaos. It's going to draw undue attention. I can I, I can see your point in bringing that up, especially when you take a look in some of the narratives that a lot of Star Wars writers are now trying to actually show, which is characters like Jaeger, who basically come from that time period of the Old Republic, where they don't want to be part of anything anymore. I mean, you see it with characters like, say, uh, in Rebels with Rex and the clone troopers. They don't, they wanted to get as far as they wanted. They wanted to, like, a, a planet just to farm worms. But, right, because they've already sacrificed so much, so much for the cause that a lot of them feel like this is their due. It's time for them to kind of sit back and enjoy whatever is left of their life. And then you look at, like, say, for example, like... uh uh skywalker storyline characters like han solo disappears like literally goes out does not want to be known luke goes to a planet basically wants to do the dagobah thing that yoda does doesn't want to deal with anything doesn't want to deal with anybody leia does the same thing i think there i, I see your point that basically they want to show that these characters if you're that if if you introduce a character like jaeger who's from the republic times they're scarred. They're broken because they came from a time of, of great war. Right. And, you know, it's now for them, for the adults, it's kind of like DJ in Last Last Jedi, where he's basically, don't join. He's, he's telling Finn, don't choose a side. Yeah. He, because he, both sides, we they learned that at, in war, both sides are at fault. And I think I see your point in basically showing, trying to show that parallel. Because when you think about it, Kazuda is very young. He's very naive. He's he he wasn't born in that time. He wasn't he didn't live through a war period, so he doesn't understand that basically just simply joining the resistance and you know doing the proper thing and wanting to fight the the unknown threat that is the first order and blah 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 blah. 
it sounds great on paper, but a lot of times characters like who are young don't understand what it costs. Right. Or what it entails to actually be a spy or yeah. a soldier or pilot or fighter uh, within the Republic or the rebellion or the resistance. So I feel like all of this is a grand plan set out by Poe Dameron. And this will ultimately, I believe, is going to pan out to be a twofold development. Poe knows Jaeger's reluctance to get involved with the resistance. And in a way, it seems like Poe has borrowed a page from Yoda's playbook. By pairing Jaeger and Kaz together, they will both help each other. Kaz will learn to be a spy by adhering to Jaeger's words. Which I feel Jaeger's actually trying to do. He's trying to teach him how to be a spy. He's, I don't feel like he really needs him to be a mechanic. He has plenty of mechanics. <laughs> that's it, the it's thing. About, he's like, why, he's, does he, why does he need Kazuda a mechanic? That's why I feel like there's more to it. Even though Jaeger doesn't want to be involved, Poe put him there for a reason. To learn not just to lie and wait and be protected from any potential threat by Jaeger. Poe put him there because he knew... Poe put Kazuda there with Jaeger, knowing that Jaeger would train him. Maybe not purposely. Maybe Jaeger doesn't even realize he's training him, but he is. He is, in fact, training him by by teaching him how to blend in. It's very karate kid style. Mr. Miyagi, paint the fence, wax on, wax off. It's not about what you're doing more than it is about the lesson you learn from doing. Yeah. And Jaeger, I, I believe, will slowly find the person through this, this dual narrative, this twofold development and the pairing. And by, by, um, by pairing him with Kazuda, he's going to end up finding the person he has forgotten he was. And he, I guarantee you he will end up helping the resistance once the time comes. So in a lot of ways, the two characters are working in tandem to develop and flesh each other out. And that's the strength of this episode and the strength of the of the four episodes we've had so far when you really start dissecting that relationship between Jaeger and Kazuda. And even though it's a bit contentious at times, I feel like it works. It's, it's very um, conducive with the things we've seen in the past with Star Wars. If this is the fact and they are doing this, then I've suddenly gained a new level of respect for this show because it's very similar as the Jedi methods of training. You must overcome the ordinary in order to overcome the extraordinary. Yes. And in that light, if you want to look at it that way, I feel like this was a, a fairly strong episode. If you look at it that light, that's the that's the problem. Is kind of like for me. I could be, I mean, I'm known for exaggerating the greatness of things. Like, listen, I, I know that we've all done it when we're fans of things and maybe I'm trying to find something that's redeeming in this show. But through all my years of dissecting scripts and movies and TV shows, I have a, I, I do have a pretty good eye for yeah. certain things within the subtext of a, of a script. And I do in fact see that well, I am just hoping that they are doing it. And I feel yeah. like Justin Ridge's supervisory involvement is what's helping the real story unfold underneath the, the overt silliness. Well, of all the characters that they've actually introduced us to, for me, Jaeger's been the one that's been most compelling to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, it's interesting that basically 
every, or the last couple of episodes, Jaeger's been that been kind of like that element in all the episodes that when Jaeger shows up, that's when you can tell the story takes a turn. You know, we start with Kazuda and his act antics and basically him trying to do things out of whack. But when Jaeger comes in, Kazuda turns and he basically it's almost like that. Okay, this is this is his time to learn. Like what you said, mm-hmm. it's that formula. You 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 bring in Jaeger, and all of a sudden, Kazuda suddenly learns the lesson of today's episode. It's on par with what we've seen before, Dave. Um, look at Luke. What does rocks have to do with anything dealing with the force? Why must I move rocks? Why do I have to make R two float <laughs> with this blast shield down? How am I supposed, supposed to, to fight? fight? There's the idea of it's very samurai ish. It's very Zen ish. It's don't question the master because the master knows the lesson. Yes. And even though this isn't a Jedi story, I feel like when you're writing within Star Wars, right? And I think we can both agree that Star Wars has become a bit of its own. Yes, it's a sci fi space opera fantasy. Absolutely. But in a lot of ways, now that Star Wars is going on for 40 plus years, in a way, it's become its own genre. Would you agree with that? No, absolutely, because it actually transcends genres. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars nowadays, there's stories of Star Wars that have told that have transcended not just sci-fi, all of a sudden went into horror, went into drama, right. went into political yeah. <laughs> political storytelling. And that's the amazing thing is kind of like you have when you when we started expanding this universe, it opened the door to actually so many more types of stories that could be told. Because yeah. you're dealing with universe building right that's what that's what uh the the lucas story group that was their goal yeah. was to actually develop and expand this universe yeah and i think even more than ever that star wars is i think you can definitely say star wars is its own genre at this yeah. point and because of that there's going to be those elements that you always got to put in and I feel like this is one of them, the ideology of the Jedi seeping into our regular heroes stories and regular heroes journeys. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. If if that's in fact, if the, that is the what the story that they're trying to tell. Yes. All right. So get more Star Wars from the back to tank each and every single month with the Patreon bonus shows. That's right. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital. And pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to countless hours of additional programming, including more Star Wars shows from us. In fact, next week we have a discussion planned on the Han Solo Lando story titled The Last Shot. We'll be reviewing that and breaking it down. Also, the Solo A Star Wars Story adaptation has been released. Issue number one will be covering that as well before the end of the month. So go over to patreon.com slash Digital. You will only be able to get those discussions from our Patreon page. They're exclusive. So pledge $5 or more a month. Help us keep the lights on in the studio. Help us keep the power on. Help me keep talking and blabbering and finding things within Star Wars Resistance that may not be there. It doesn't matter. Help us. All right. So everything we just discussed. Right, Dave? Everything. This was all, and this is my problems I have with this, and I understand the the necessities of writing the or the bare essentials that you yeah. must put in when you're writing a cartoon. Um, all of this is veiled by a rather uninteresting narrative. It's all packaged with something that comes off 
as just it's a little contrived. It, it's contrived. It's silly. You know, Kaz meeting a douche that tricks him into doing something dangerous and wrong, stealing the lesson he learned afterward. It was very after school special. Yes. This was the childish side of the episode. It felt a bit like the smoking scene from Pinocchio. If you remember that old movie from <laughs> yes. back in the day, there's a moral at the end of the story and a lesson that we as an audience must learn. This was this for me. This is what you could title resistance as a Disney show. This was actually the Disney show that basically Disney show episode you'd expect out of a, a, a typical Disney show you'd see on Disney XD. And I don't have a problem with the episode ending with a moral, you know, Star Trek does that. And yes, I'm saying the blasphemous word of Star Trek right now during a Star Wars show. Star Trek does it in the early years. And I love Star Trek as well. Yeah. Um, Clone Wars to bring it closer to home and maybe more relevant. Clone Wars did it for the first couple years of their of their first two seasons. I believe they they ended a lot of their episodes with the moral is, but it wasn't so childish in the way it was executed. Yes, this one, this one, like the the moral in this episode was you're so a good person. It, that's literally <laughs> what Yeager said at the end. It's okay that you destroyed an engine by dropping it into the ocean it's okay that you drew unnecessary attention to us kazuda it's okay because you know what it's okay that you stole things from my private quarters you know why because you're, you're a good, good person, person. <laughs> and what? and oh my god when that happened First off, is that really a good lesson to teach kids yeah hey it's okay to steal it's okay to uh damage other people's properties because you know what i can tell you're you, a good person. You have a good heart. And then, you know, you expect, you know, the rainbow that says, and the things you know. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh, God, no. This is not the lesson. This is not a Star Wars lesson. Don't try it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> this, is not, this is not a Star Wars lesson that Yoda would be proud of. Yeah. Yoda would not go around and go, hmm, yeah, he good would be, person he, you are. He would be like, failed you have. <laughs> failed you have. Your ass I kick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now, leaving that alone for a moment, it was cool, however, to hear them mention Hyperfuel just yes. because I'm a solo fanboy to get the connections uh, to the solo Star Wars story. Of course, the other name being Coaxium. Coaxium. Yeah. I like it because it creates that consistency within the universe of Star Wars that all things have been plotted and planned together for the most part and tied together through definitions and planets and items of interest that's what the expanded universe has always been that was even though i'm on board the whole retconning of the old star wars eu yeah. i under like i've said plenty of times i understand why they had to do it and why they did it but that doesn't mean there weren't things that i absolutely loved about the expanded universe and a big part of that love for the expanded universe had a lot to do with Things like this, simple things like hyperfuel and coaxium and things that are introduced in one book are, are now carried over. And it's not just carried over once or twice, but it's now forever a part of Star Wars canon until Disney retconned it, of course. But it's always a part of Star Wars canon. And you always see other writers, uh, other comic book writers, other novel writers. You always see them pulling those things to use them in their story. And it just creates an overall consistent tone to the universe. And 
as we move farther and farther into these years that Disney is now in charge of, of Lucasfilm and, and Star Wars, you're starting to see those connections now. And I know we have to be patient when you retcon 40 years of, of, uh, of things or it's more like 30 years, I would say, with the expanded universe. It's going to take time to kind of get back there and, and make the world feel complete yet again. Complete again. But yeah. little things like that give me hope that we're going to keep getting those connections. And obviously, when you introduce something as as important as, as coaxium, as being the source of hyperfuel, that's something you can't just shrug off and pretend never existed. That's now part of pretty much every, I would say, spacecraft at this point, right? Yeah. And that's what I liked about one of the positives of this episode was it kept tight to its continuity like it it treated the hyperfuel like this is rarity this is absolute rare to actually get it, it to show the importance of hyperfuel and coaxium because remember in solo the in the in the solo movie they treat they basically said that this planet was the only one of the few planets that basically coaxium can be farmed at and that's why hyperfuel was so expensive and why at that time, the empire was so it was so like heavily wanting to actually take control of like planets that had coaxium. Yeah, but want- the, but the thing was only the like the crime syndicates actually controlled it. Yeah, I wonder if Dryden Voss and Darth Maul would take a sandwich over their <laughs> over their delivery of coaxium. Do you think if uh, if the writers that wrote Resistance wrote solo a Star Wars story. Do you think they would have solved the problem that way? Right when Dryden Voss was about to get really angry because he didn't have his shipment of coaxium. When the governor and, shows up. And Han Solo and um and Beckett decide to just cook up a nice tasty sandwich no, no, for Dryden no. Voss. Do you think that would have worked? It's a, instead of that, basically the, the very first time we meet Dryden Voss, he kills the the one governor of that planet. Yeah. And the governor just turns up and goes, but I made you a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Darth Maul probably would have been ha- very happy with the sandwich. He would have like used the force like Anakin and Attack of the Clones did <laughs> to eat the pear. To eat the pear. Master, gonna, Master gonna, Obi-Wan would be very upset. I would, I, I'm going to make the perfect Jedi sandwich. Hold on. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so the biggest what to fuck of the episode was the random creepster slash rapist that was trying to sleep with Kazuda. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> you, I'm glad you brought this up. I did. I I'm glad I'm not the only one that saw this, dude. That that dude was a fucking pedophile. Yeah, he was. What the fuck was Disney thinking? It was, <laughs> he was literally trying to rape Kazuda. There's no way around that. <laughs> Kazuda's talking about needing a place to stay, and the guy's like, "You can stay with me." <laughs> and as soon as that happened, I'm going, "Are you serious?" I was waiting for there to be an explanation, and the guy was just a fucking creep, dude. And then later in the episode, he makes another appearance as Kazuda runs past him, and he's like, "Hey, have you decided to take me up on that offer?" <laughs> yeah, it'd be one thing, but it's the laugh. The I'm like, dude, going, he was a creeper. Yeah, it was a creeper. I'm like, going, why did you? Why? Why did we make a character like this? Why would you put a character that resembled? A pedophile. First off, this character looks almost identical to a character from the Rick and Morty series. I don't know if you ever watched. If you ever watched Rick and Morty, 
Have yeah. you ever watched Rick and Morty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I believe it's season two where Rick and Morty go on an adventure to a land where everyone is giants. Yeah, and, I think I know what you're Okay, and about. there's a guy that tries to rape Morty in the yeah, bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> and he looks exactly like the creeper in this episode of Resistance and even talks like him. Oh, I gotta I gotta see that. I think you're right. There had yeah. to be there had to have been a fan of Rick and Morty and decided it would be a good idea to put a pedophile <laughs> in resistance. In resistance. <laughs> Let's take this character who uh, the joke was he rapes Morty. How can no and put one and rape Kazuna? <laughs> are we just fucked up in the head to see these types of things? Because I went through the hashtags and I did not see anyone else talk about that creeper. Yeah. That's the thing. You brought it up, and I was like, like when I watched the episode, I was like, going, that that guy essentially it was, disturbing. was saying that he's going to rape Kazuda yeah, if Kazuda I'm, stays with him. Hey, you can sleep with me. He's offering to fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like. And I don't think he would offer once he's in the house. He he came off. <laughs> he came off very rapey. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if it was meant to be an old lady. Uh, to me, it looked like an old man. Man, it looked like an old. Uh, it looked and sounded like an old man. And let's. And, and I'm not saying if it was an old man that would be or an old lady it would be better. I'm not saying that uh, that I'm against having gay relationships in shows. Obviously not. I'm saying that that guy did not come off as someone who's a regular dude who is Kazuda's age who's interested in him. It came off as a rapist, as, as, a, rapist. A, as, as a sexual deviant. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that I was like cranking up at is like no one else. The reason why I didn't bring it up because I thought originally, oh, I'm just looking too far into it. That's what I thought too. But then when I watched it the second time, I'm like, no, no. They, this was this was intentionally put in there to come off as creepy as hell. And There's no other way around it. How else do you explain this character? Yeah, and you're right. I mean, like it's kind of like everyone glossed over it, which. I mean, just says a lot about us as fans. If you're going to gloss over that and it reminds me of like, basically people, people glossed over the fact of, uh, um, uh, the one hut character in clone wars. No one talked about him. And, but like down deep inside, we were like, okay, that's okay. It's fine. Everything's cool. Everything's fine here. You know, like, like we, <laughs> we expect Han Solo to show up and say, no, 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 everything's fine here. Everything's fine. Um, how are you? Don't pay attention to the pedophile that just tried to rape that, yeah. that, that mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully if there's anybody out there listening that also shared those similar thoughts or share those similar thoughts, please let us know at from back to tank. And let us know. Maybe me and you are the only ones that saw this. And maybe that says something about us. us but <laughs> I honestly don't know how else it could be perceived. Yeah, I don't know how you can perceive that any other way. Yeah. So, all right. So that concludes this discussion. Quickly, Dave, give me your final thoughts. Uh, this was not a very strong episode, in my opinion. But giving the second watch through and actually seeing what you said like about Jaeger and the focus of the parallels between Kazuda and Jaeger 
it kind of bumps it up from where I originally had this episode, yeah. which was really bad. Both of us, the first viewing, we both hate. We walked into the studio and we didn't even record that day. We had to take a week, a week, a week <laughs> before we decided to come back and talk about it because we just were not feeling it. Well, because it's like for me, this episode's a C minus. It's a it's wow. It, it's a C minus because by the fourth episode. One of the big things that I was like expecting to happen by now was, are we going to see Kazuda in a freaking ship? Because the whole point is he's supposed to be a hotshot pilot, but he's still a mechanic. Oh, he's hot. If you know what I mean, he he can stay with me. (laughs) He can stay with me if he wants, (laughs) but it it just seemed like this episode reminded me of like the early Clone Wars episode where they have the random droid episode that has nothing to do with any of the other characters. And that's how I felt after this episode was like this was like a throwaway episode. However, the second play the second playthrough, even though this is how I felt the, during the second playthrough, like what you said, if you think about it, they're trying to establish a bigger story here than what we think hopefully which is the parallel between jaeger and kazuda and to explain i think the difference in generations because like jaeger comes from the the republic times and oh. kazuda is like the new the 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 new generation you know the, the new generation that says hey let's join the resistance yes let's fight this unknown force that we know nothing about called the first order Mm -hmm. but let's just jump into it because it's the right thing to do right so i think that basically if they if they do continue to do this storyline resistance is going to be actually better than i originally think after watching this episode the first time i'd originally thought yeah 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 all right you know Mm. i i i I give this episode a C. If everything that I pulled from the story is in fact the direction they're going, then I will go back retrospectively and regrade this. I want to make sure this is what they're doing. To me, it really feels that way. And if they are in fact working on that dual narrative, the parallel narratives between Kaz and Jaeger and their developed developing them together much like a Jedi Knight and his pad one one's learning from the other the other one learns about his past and realizes hey you know through Kazuda he realizes that he shouldn't shun his past and he should accept who he is because it feels to me like Jaeger is running from something and running from who he is yeah so if they are working on that that's a similar story to Kanan and, and Ezra. And Ezra. And not just Kanan. With and its Ezra. own original unique flair to it. But when you think about it, all the Star Wars uh, storylines from here always deal with two characters yeah. on the same side. Clone Wars, it was Anakin and Ahsoka. Rebels, it's just as you brought up, Kanan and Ezra. And how they help each other, how they become. I don't want to say adults, but how they become individuals and how they learn and know who they are as people through working with each other and their own interaction. I like that. It's very conducive and consistent with with Star Wars and everything we know about the universe. And as I said, 
Star Wars is a bit of its own genre at this point, and it's it fits nicely within that Star Wars established genre. You know, the tropes and archetypes and uh, narratives that go with that. So C, although retrospectively I may change that, because at the heart of the story, at the heart of the episode, I feel like there was a solid story, but it was packaged with some really silly and absurd antics. And just and like what payoff you, doesn't make sense. No, that payoff wasn't that great. And um, I feel like they're setting up some odd confrontation with the douchebag. And I'm like, I don't really care about this douchebag. <laughs> and I don't care about any problems with him. We need to focus on the resistance and the first order. That's what we are interested in. We don't care about some odd rivalry with a douche. Yeah. So I'm hoping they don't build on that anymore. Just let it go. If you want to have them in the background every once in a while, that's fine. And also, we were sold that this story is a show about ace pilots. We have not seen Kazuda in a ship since the opening minutes of the pilot. And yeah. we are now closing in on episode five. five. How is that even fucking possible? How are we not seeing this? If this was not sold as a World War II anime style ace pilot show then i'd be like all right i'd be a little patient but we need we have got to see kazuda in that cockpit once a week you got to give you got to give kazuda something that makes him at least look credible can you rem- can you imagine an episode of voltron without the voltrons ah, you know what we're going to go about four episodes without the voltrons uh, we're just going to focus on these people and that's it no yeah. they would never do that because they sold the show as a Voltron show. I'm using them as an example because it's fresh in my mind right now. The new series on Netflix. The same thing with this. I mean, we got, we got to get him in that seat. And, and I, and some people may say, Dave, you know, be patient, Mike, be patient. And I will be, but I feel like it's, it's weird that we have not seen him in a ship yet. No, I'm in the same boat as you. Is like it's it's odd that basically we have yet to see Kazuda as the quote unquote hotshot pilot he wants to be. And, and, and yeah, it's it's like introducing Star Wars Rebels with Kanan and Ezra, and we never once see their abilities as Jedi for yeah. for six or seven episodes. For like, six or seven, I'm episodes. like that's fucking weird. That's weird. Kanan was introduced as a Jedi immediately at the at the end. At the end, and it was a big payoff. That's the thing that I'm kind of frustrated with Resistance, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the one thing I'm kind of frustrated with Resistance is it's missing that one epic, oh my god moment in the beginning of the season to make you care about the story. I just don't know why Dave they are stutter stepping with this story. Why are they not moving this story along a little bit faster? It, it feels strange that you're in a time period that is wide fucking open. It yes. is the wild, wild west right now of the Star Wars universe. It is just nothing there. Nothing. And you're telling me that you can't tell an ongoing story that's relevant? So I'm hoping that changes really soon. I yeah. can't imagine them stutter stepping for another three or four episodes. We have to see something that's a game changer for Kazuda very soon. Yeah. It says a lot that basically when you think about it, the last four episodes, the most epic moments have dealt with seeing the first order, not our hero seeing the first order. Look at, look at the pilot, the the bookends were the ones that actually really made the, 
the 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 pilot really good was seeing the first order seeing the the uh, red baron character the 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 red uh red armored uh tie fire pilot that was all cool that has nothing to do with our hero yet because our hero has no idea they exist yeah <laughs> so that's why I was, I'm very I'm very confused why they they're just like what you said starter stepping I think they're I think they're taking like their baby steps they're like trying to be safe yeah and you can't be safe look rebels and, was not safe listen we all have to be safe we all should wear protection Dave it's don't teach I don't want that's not a good lesson to teach <laughs> so stupid all right so, we need to end this discussion on Star Wars Resistance episode four fuel for the fire. Was that the name of it? Yes, Fuel for Fire. Fuel for the Fire. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. Also available on the Rain Man digital app. That's our network app where you can take all of our shows on the go with you anywhere you go, including the live channel, RM Channel 001, and you can listen to our live shows straight from your mobile device. Just search in your iOS stores and Google Play. Just search Rain Man Digital. All right, David, thank you. Thank you. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper One. And if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and add us to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the force be with you. And long live. Thank you for listening to From the Back to Take. And From the Back to Take is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotake.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Take as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash from the back to date.